the popular belief was that everyone was going to run away from robos, mm -hmm. run away from you know sort of fintechs because there was no one to call. And uh, very quietly over the course of the last two years, these platforms have been able to connect with their constituents on an electronic basis. That's Bill Capuzzi, CEO of Apex Clearing, talking about how investors have been pouring money into robo-advisors ever since the COVID-19 crisis began last month. This is contrary to what many industry pundits claim would happen in a market crash like we experienced. I spoke to Bill about how his firm is handling this huge influx of accounts, as well as his views on how the industry will be changed forever on this episode of Wealth Management Today. This is the Flattening the Curve edition of the Wealth Management Today podcast. I'm your host, Craig Eskowitz, and I run a consulting firm called Ezra Group. We help uh, fintech firms and broker-dealers and asset managers and RIAs make better technology decisions. Uh, this podcast, I try to bring some of the smartest people in the industry and who are on the leading edge of technology and innovation for you to bring their tips, tips and tricks and techniques and advice uh, for everyone who is listening. Uh, before I forget, please remember to subscribe and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. I would really appreciate it. My guest for this episode is Bill Capuzzi, CEO of Apex Clearing. For those of you who aren't aware, Apex is a custodian, uh, which was launched in 2012 by a private equity firm called Peak Six, which acquired the assets from a clearing broker called Penson Financial. Uh, Bill joined Apex in late 2015. Uh, before that, he had worked in senior management at Pershing and ConvergeX, and he's been in, in financial services for over 20 years. Uh, what Bill did was really interesting when he got to Apex. It really expanded them beyond what people would consider traditional clearing and built out two separate uh, divisions. One is your traditional clearing, uh, institutional marketplace, broker-dealers, RIAs. The other one was focused on retail fintechs, and they really became uh, the go-to custodian for a lot of up-and-coming players. Uh, they have literally millions of end investors uh, and help scale the growth of disruptive firms like Betterment, Wealthfront, Robinhood, and Stash. So they've got a great reputation in the industry as being the place that you go when you want cutting-edge technology to drive your custody. So I hope you enjoy this episode and my interview with Bill Capuzzi. And now I'd like to welcome my guest uh, for this episode. It's Bill Capuzzi, CEO of Apex Clearing. Hey, Bill. Hey, Craig. How are you? Fantastic, man. Well, as fantastic as I can possibly be, hunkered down in my basement. Ditto. I, mm -hmm. I am. Uh, you're in your basement. I am hunkered in my uh, the back of my bedroom. So, uh, the new normal. Everyone's finding new ways to use different parts of the house. That's it. Do you ever get outside? So I will tell you. So we have four kids uh, and my wife, and she runs her company. And so mm -hmm. the the six of us. I think we've done more exercise over the past month <laughs> than collectively we've probably done in the last year. So yes. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I see some. I see memes of people talking about how fat they're getting, and some people talking about what great shape they're getting. So we're gonna have like a barbell of people. 
yeah, right. the end of this. Well, I, I will tell you, whatever exercise is being offset by the amount of eating we're doing here as well. <laughs> <I hate laughs> we're probably you. staying right where we were before this. We're just we're going to maintain. <laughs> That's it. We'll keep our back, keep floating there. That's cool. So it. thanks for being on the on the podcast. Um, a ton of questions to ask you, and, and we've talked a lot before. Yeah. Uh, I really liked being on uh, part of the roundtable last year. And uh, that was really interesting. You know, like how Apex is is, uh, is pushing the envelope and coming up with new ideas and trying to encourage discussion. Uh, I, I kind of feel you've always been sort of on the leading edge of of custodians. Do you see yourself that way as well? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned. You started by asking me about um, in custodians. We consider ourselves a technology firm that provides custody. Uh, and it sounds cliche-ish, but you know, when we look at the way we operate the culture within Apex, it follows that, that vein, right? Which is, we look at ourselves as a technology firm. How do we eliminate as much friction, right? What, is a cus- what does a custodian do? Right? The custodian is supposed to be there to A, hold and protect the assets of the customer, and then facilitate transactions, facilitate things happening, whether it's opening accounts, funding, trading, settling trades. Uh, it's about processing. And, um, you know, our focus, maniacal focus as a firm is how do we do that totally frictionless? Maniacal mm. right. focus. Yeah, that's it. I, I used that on a podcast already. So I can't use that again, but <laughs> we'll, come, we'll, we'll think of something else. Okay. Yeah. So, so with everything that's going on, I mean, the, fir- the first question in my mind is, over the past you know, month or six weeks, what's been the most dramatic change you've seen in terms of your client base? Um, so I will tell you that uh, the, the biggest shock to me has been how, um, so if you, let's take a step back. Think about Apex clients, right? We, we fall into two categories. Um, we have traditional advisors on one mm-hmm. side um, that are looking to, I'll say, quote unquote, digitize their business or work with a modern custodian. And then on the other side, the other, you mentioned before, barbell, on, on the other side of the barbell, it's fintech companies, right? Folks that are trying to disrupt the traditional advisors, right? This is people like Stash and SoFi and Betterment and Wealthfront and Robinhood. Um, and I, I think um, if you rewind the tape to the beginning of, of the sort of coronavirus epidemic and the impact of the markets, um, we were bracing for the unknown. We really didn't know what the impact was going to be on our clients, didn't understand what the impact was going to be on um, how things were going to work. Right. We certainly knew that the assets were going to go down, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of our clients were going to be impacted in terms of P&L. Um, the biggest shock to me, twofold, one is how quickly we mobilized and moved every single person in Apex uh, that first week, March 2nd, we moved everyone to 100% work from home. Uh, and uh, so we had 100% of our people, including the trading desk, including risk, all the technologists, everyone working from their house. And um, we were able to operate without a, without a hitch, and I'm going to knock on wood, um, without a, any hitches, without any issues um, uh, through this crazy time in the market. That was one. And then the second one, I guess the outcome is we had um, the second largest account opening in the history of the firm. We opened a little over 650,000 accounts 
um, in the month of March. Um, one, and then two is we added, alongside of all those accounts, a massive amount of cash. Why do you think that is? So uh, is this through your, I guess, because of all the different <clears throat> disrupting fin disruptive fintechs you have who, and this is something I've seen, which is, I think is, you know, is very um, uh, contrarian to how everyone predicted. Everyone yeah. predicted, oh, when the, we, the market goes down, all these robo-advisors, everyone's going to flee. Instead, they yeah. did the opposite happen. Everyone, you know, embraced them and rushed to them. Why do you think that is? Well, I think, first of all, you know, think about what you've been doing over the last month, right? You've been tethered to your, your computer and tethered to your phone. Uh, and I think people have very quickly adapted to this new world, this new mm -hmm. normal. That's where we started the conversation. Um, that's number one. Number two is, I think, you know, use the word before frictionless. Um, you have a phone in your hands. It's now close to free, right? The ability to open an account. Well, let's just talk about Apex. Open an account with no paperwork, uh, be able to fund in seconds, get that whole process done. And oh, by the way, work with somebody that um, is doing it, quote unquote, free or close to free. Um, you know, it just creates opportunities for folks. And so, you know, we saw, like I said, it's a total shock to me to add that many accounts in the last month. That was the second largest number of accounts. When was the first? So, so uh, when Robinhood uh, announced that they were going to be adding crypto, this is almost two years ago, we opened 905,000 accounts. Uh, in, in 2018. Uh, so this is the second, um, the average, give you some sense, um, we average somewhere between 200 and 300,000 accounts a month. Uh, so you can get a sense of how much, uh, you know, how much increased velocity there's been over the course of the month. That's incredible. Yeah, I mean, everyone is seeing huge increases. Look, the other thing I would say is, and I think this, this goes to the broader advisory world, is um, it's not just frictionless in terms of open accounts and gimmicky around it's free. Um, I think, um, to your point, the popular belief was that everyone was going to run away from robos, mm -hmm. run away from you know, sort of fintechs because there was no one to call. And uh, very quietly over the course of the last two years, um, these platforms have been able to connect with their constituents on an electronic basis. Mm -hmm. um, the ways, you know, I'll give you my, my personal experience. I have, a, I have an advisor who's at LPL. Mm -hmm. um, he's tried to get a hold of me and my wife to talk about the impact of the market on our portfolio. Mm -hmm. I know the impact of the portfolio, <laughs> right? right? I don't need to talk to him. Mm -hmm. um, whereas some of our clients who I have accounts with have been able to connect with me in the ways that work for me, whether that's mm -hmm. over Twitter, uh, mm -hmm. whether that's, you know, within their app, uh, over email. Um, and I think it's starting to play out. And I think that's, you know, the tailwind there is going to continue to work to their advantage. Mm -hmm. And I frankly think it's something that these, you know, the broader advisor world has to you know, sit up and take notice. This isn't about accounts that just don't have any money. Mm -hmm. It's really around how our you know, world is going to continue to evolve. Uh, I think this is a great accelerator for how things have already been evolving over the course of the last couple of years. 
Let me take a break from this episode to talk about one of my favorite sponsors, and that is the Invest in Others Charitable Foundation. Uh, they are a nonprofit that recognizes financial advisors for their exceptional, exceptional charitable work. With all that's going on in the world right now, nonprofits and those they serve are going to need more help than ever before. One way you can make a difference is by nominating an advisor for their Invest in Others awards. These awards not only recognize financial advisors for the charitable work that they do, but they also give out critical funding to the nonprofits they're involved with, up to $50,000. The Invest in Others Charitable Foundation is extending the nomination deadline uh, for their latest round of awards to Friday, April 17th. To give you more time to submit a nomination, please visit www.investinothers.org forward slash nominate to learn more. Yeah, I think a lot of advisory firms are going to be shocked by this and it's going to really change the way they're thinking about digital and yeah. the way they interact with clients. And I, I wrote about this three years ago, maybe three years ago, about how Acorns will be the, the first billion dollar robo-advisor. Yeah. And I was right, right? Because yeah. if you look at the way, well, not that Wealthfront and Betterment are bad companies. They're not, they're good companies, but they're just RIAs. They're digital RIAs. Yeah. That's what they are because they approach it from a traditional RIA um, mindset and a traditional RIA client interaction model, which is, I only want to talk to you every now and then. I don't really want to interact with you a lot because I'm interacting with you a lot. That means something's wrong. Yeah. I'm only going to give you your portfolio and your list of stocks and transactions. That's all the information I'm really going to give you. Maybe some yeah. educational content, but not really that much. Whereas Acorns has, t- has turned on its head and said, we want you to talk to us. Come to our website. We're going to give you stuff to do. We're going to give you brands to interact with. We're going to give you bonuses and benefits and updates and, and education. And, and so they've really turned it on its head. So do you see that as really, ch- you, know, you work with all these different fintechs. Yeah. Do you see that as being one of their major advantages? Yeah. I mean, look, that, that's the, you know, I want to say it's the next frontier because it's playing out in front of our eyes, which is, I call that financial well-being, right? Mm-hmm. So, how do you connect the dots between banking and lending, lending and investing, right? Investing in insurance, right? If you just took those four pillars, people today think of them and the way that the, you know, we by and large have, have sort, of, you know, sort of provided solutions mm-hmm. to them is in four disparate, disparate silos. And this, you know, what's happening now, the, the racing mentioned acorns, people like stash, people like SoFi are connecting the dots across those four channels and being able to provide insight, right? So let's just, you know, let's go through real life, right? Over the course of the last month, mm-hmm. someone's washing machine breaks, right? It's somebody that's in the mass affluent category or down mm-hmm. washing machine breaks, right? Oh my goodness. What do I do? How do I raise $600 to be able to pay for this new washing machine that I need during this crisis? And, you know, the old way, or if you had a lot of money, you called your advisor and said, Hey, what do I do? Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, In this new world is, you know, how do you look across what you have in your bank, what you have for your investing, whether it's sort of non-retirement account or retirement accounts or 401ks, Right. What do you have in terms of student loans or you know debt on the books? Um, what credit lines do you have available and what insurance products do you have? Hmm. And be able to sort of ask those types of questions and get back some answers. Um, hmm. And it doesn't mean it all has to be totally electronic. Like you said, Acorns interacts and brings advisors into the picture. 
Um, but it does mean creating a chassis that allows for you to unlock a bunch of uh, sort of, again, frictionless or you know, different ways of interacting with clients. It's kind of like being able to see across multiple silos because people have accounts of insurance accounts, which are a separate silo. Yep. Their lending is a separate, their wealth is separate, their bank is separate, usually. Yep. Uh, sometimes they're, they're, they're combined, but oftentimes it's, it could be four completely different advisors or agents that you need to speak to or websites you need to go to to figure out all these different things. Yep. And so what's happening is the fintechs are going to perfect this. They're going to create this, I'll call it financial well-being, you know, chassis. And then the big advisors, you know, the bigger players will steal the idea, which is we've seen play out over and over again in our industry. And I think it's going to continue in this respect. And, and frankly, for the better, because, you know, I mentioned before, the distinction is around, do you have money or not today? Right. If you have a lot of money, you just go to your advisor and they, they answer those questions for you. And, oh, by the way, you pay a bunch for that. Um, two things. One is, is people are demanding better transparency and value at the same time like think about yourself Craig I, I want an answer now I, I you know like I want I don't want to schedule a time with my advisor to sit down and talk about those things I want to be able to pick up my phone right these are simple questions mm -hmm. to be answered yep. and what I want to do is be able to leverage my advisor for when I absolutely need something that those types of tools can't provide Right, that's sort of utopia, right? That's where an advisor is adding value. You know, the human computing can add value where a machine can't. Mm -hmm. Indeed, you know, and that's something we're seeing a lot more of. And, and between transparency and value and speed, it's more than just cost, right? Things are free, but there is a way to compete against free and free doesn't always win. That's right. Because people do value other other aspects, and I know there's been a lot of studies on cost, and cost is, is rarely the most important for the for the majority of people, or, the, or at least for the people, the high value customers. Yeah, you know, the ones who are really focused on cost, no one really wants them, because they're going to jump ship at the first sign of a cheaper uh, business model. It's something we work on with our clients a lot, where they say, "Well, should we compete? Should we lower the price?" And our answer is always no, because right. if, you, know, you need to add value in other places. You want to be the premium provider. If you can, uh, you definitely don't want to be the value provider or the cheapest provider. If that's your main, your main benefit, because someone can always be cheaper than you. Well, and, and, and you know, to the point of, you know, to that point, I think the misnomer for advisors or traditional advisors is that, my goodness, there's no way we can add robo to our business because mm -hmm. it's going to cheapen the model. Mm -hmm. And the sad reality is there's a giant swath of your clients that want better electronic access we want to be able to open an account or change their address or look things up um, and not have to do it through a piece of paper or DocuSign or interacting with a person they just want transparency and this concept of well that that's going to cheapen the offering it's going to lower our costs um, to me is a misnomer i do think in some cases that's appropriate or someone wants a quote-unquote robo solution um, but in many cases, to your point, it's about adding value. And frankly, mm -hmm. to the extent that it can unlock time, that you're not making silly calls to chase down paperwork of FedEx that you sent two weeks ago, um, that should provide you the ability to add more value. That's a great, uh, great phrase, uh, the ability to unlock time. That's right. Because we only have so much, you know, time is limited. 
you know, uh, another another good, uh, I can't remember who said this, how our problem in our society, the way our society is structured now, it's not a money problem. It's rarely a money problem. I mean, look at where we are now. No one said where we're going to get the money to get us to dig us out. They just said, well, we'll, yep. we'll make it. Yep. So it's, it's rarely a money problem. It's an ideas problem. That would need more and, good and ideas. And a time problem. To your point, it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, how do you create efficiency, but not just, you know, that word's just overplayed. It, it's, it's efficiency for the advisor so that their cost structure can go down. Great. I think it's also efficiency so that they can, like you said, evolve their practice to be more meaningful and impactful to the end customer. And, you know, frankly, like I said, I have barbell business. It's so interesting to watch on the FinTech, right? The, the bleeding edge of change mm. and how that's where they're focused. And Oh, by the way, they're focused on people that, largely are in the mass affluent and down. Now they want the people that have the greatest amount of money, mm-hmm. but typically their product is really focused on mass affluent and down. Um, but the concept there, right? I think over the course of the next, I don't know, five years, somewhere in that range, mm-hmm. right? Oftentimes the ideas that are generated on the left side of the ledger kind of move to the right. Mm-hmm. I think we'll see that over the course of the next, whatever it's three to five years. Interesting. I want to go back to something you said earlier about the number of accounts. So you, so you had 650,000 accounts in March, which was a 200% increase over the average. Yep. Now that's going to be a wave, right? That's that, that wave. If you look at that, it's, it's a bump, but that's kind of wave is going to push forward, right? Because yep. now you've got um, 200% more people who have accounts, assuming they're all new and then I'm sure they're not all new, but a large percentage is probably new yeah. uh, that are now being, being exposed to digital advice and the probability that they bring more assets into that, that, that in six months or 18 months, you know, a year, there could be another wave of assets coming into these digital players that the legacy firms never expected. That's going to be an outflow from them or an inflow to the, to these digital players. Yeah. So, so the accounts are getting opened and um, they're getting funded, right? So alongside of that, you know, 200 plus percent increase in number of accounts, the, the cash, the inbound cash wave, right? To use your analogy, the surge came in right behind that, right? Which is, you know, billions of dollars of cash, net new cash into the firm uh, came in right behind those accounts that were being opened. Um, number one. Number two is the ACAT activity, to your point. Mm. Right? Um, the amount of incoming ACATs uh, from, you know, it's, it's typically the way ACATs work is between custodians. Mm-hmm. So we don't necessarily know who the advisor was, mm. you know, but we can see net ACATs, right? When you think of what's coming in and what's going out, it's at about a three to one ratio of what's coming into Apex versus leaving. Wow. And is that unprecedented? It's unprecedented. Um, we're, we've always been net positive um, in terms of ACATs, which again, I think is the trend. Um, you know, when you, especially when you think of, you know, the vast majority of our customers are millennials, the average mm-hmm. age is 31 years old. Uh, and so they're looking for a more digital experience, which again, plays to our, our strengths as a company. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, to, to go from, you know, two to one or 1.75 to one to three uh, is a pretty massive increase in terms of influx of assets. And they're coming from the traditional custodians. Mm-hmm. 
do you can you tell how many of those are new accounts to the clients or to the uh, to the fintech firms? So most of them are. You mentioned that before. Um, I was just guessing. Yeah, th there's 95 plus percent are new people to one of our customers, right? The, wow. Where there's some, you know, there's there's a little bit of a swag, but there's you know any anywhere we've looked at this in the past is anywhere between five and ten percent of the clients where they already have an account with a different client of Apex that opens another account with a different corresponding of Apex. Mm. The vast majority of them are net new, right? Mm. Uh, to to, uh, to Apex as a custodian. Indeed. So that's also, if they're net new to you, they're net new to your clients as well. That's right. right. Yeah. So that's an incredible number, right? I mean, that's, that's, uh, something I think people will be interested to know that that's you, you that the digital advice players are not just seeing, it's, you know, I'm sure some legacy players will say, Oh, it's probably just existing clients adding more assets or opening up additional accounts, but it's not, it's 95% is it's hard to get much higher than that. New. Yeah. These are new, new customers. Now, you know, they could be coming from old traditional brokerage firms mm -hmm. or, you know, but, yeah, these, these, these are new clients that are using, and not just opening the account, they're moving, the, you know, the, the important thing is they're not just opening the account, they're actually moving cash or, or ACATs, right? Moving positions mm. from left to right, which is a, good, is a great sign for us as a firm. Yeah, now, the question is gonna be, I think mm. for us, um, I'll, I'll counterbalance that. Um, so like I said, our average age, you know, client is, is you know, 31 years old, uh, roughly 60, 40 male to female, um, almost exclusively in the United States. Um, and that accounts for almost 9 million customers, right, on, on our books. Um, what I worry about is, okay, how is how's the next six months with unemployment um, where it's going to be? Um, and, and how are things going to play out for these folks? And um, when or where are they going to look for cash to the extent that they need the cash? Mm. And I guess it comes back to the financial well-being. Um, oftentimes people need money. They, they run to their 401ks. They take penalties. Um, and sometimes it's the only play, place they can go. Um, mm. But, uh, you know, without proper advice, without a package to be able to see this kind of holistically, um, oftentimes those aren't the right decisions. Mm. Yeah. And I, and I think going back to something earlier, we we're talking about that people are getting more used to doing everything online and they're getting used to not having an advisor or not having people recommend things for them and getting you know, advice from social media and getting advice from, you know, from other, other online sources. So I think it becomes a perfect storm that people were just ready to move. You know, if this yeah. happened three or four years ago, you may not have seen such a surge, but now, People are, are doing everything on their phones and they're, you know, all, every, almost every part of their lives is on their phones. Um, and there's a lot more uh, payment processing on the phones. You know, the, the, number, the amount of cash is, is, is uh, plummeted that's in people's wallets over the yeah. past three or four years. So I think that, well, that helps their mindset. Yeah, and look, I, I think this is a big opportunity for the advisor community is, is there are ways to evolve someone's practice very simply towards that if you take what you just described, um, it's not impossible to do that. It's not impossible to move to that, right? To, to create, you know, overuse the word hybrid, right, in the market, but there is the ability to create this solution that allows clients to 
to interact more electronically with you and provide that sort of human overlay mm -hmm. um, that's going to add more value. And frankly, people are, you know, again, I'll use my, my personal experience. Um, I would appreciate that. It doesn't mean it's going to mean that I'm going to pay less. It just means that that, that you know, the, you, the advisor that's working with me is meeting me um, on sort of my terms right. and the way that I work. And I think what's happened over the course of the last month is now I am, I'm sort of an exception. I think you are too, Craig. I'm sort of a fintechy guy. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I may have been a sort of the exception to the rule, but I think what's happened over the last month is that surge, that wave of people that think like me and are going to want to interact mm -hmm. on their terms is going to continue to evolve. Um, and, you know, again, keep harping on this, but the advisor world, the broader market, you know, in terms of you have a practice, you, you manage a billion dollars, um, and there's still an opportunity to get out in front of this with, with your customers. Um, yeah. I do think it's coming though, right? I do think these questions are going to be asked. And I think what happened over the course of the last month is a lot of advisors got caught behind the eight ball with not having the ability to interact with customers on a scale play, right? Uh, and, um, you know, but again, there, there are opportunities to make those changes you know, pretty rapidly. And that's really what this is all about is how we grasp the opportunity. It's not that we're going to, it's not that there won't be these kind of crises because we know they're going to come up. It's the, the question is how do we uh, react to them and how do we turn that into opportunity? And I think you've done yeah. a pretty good job explaining and giving some advice for advisors and other firms who are listening to this on, on what kind of opportunities they should be looking for. Great. Great. Well, thanks so much. I really appreciate your, your time here and uh, stay safe and uh, hope everything's good with your family and, and your business. Great. Thanks, Craig. Thanks for having me. Welcome, Bill. Hey, it's Craig again. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, a couple takeaways that I got. I, mean, I really, I still can't believe 650,000 new accounts just in March alone. I'm really interested to see what happens in April, if that continues, and what kind of wave we're going to see of assets flooding into robo-advisors once all these new clients get a feel for what it's like to be in a digital advice business, uh, either in a digital advice world, and how whether they like it or don't like it. Uh, some of the things of connecting the dots, how banking, lending, insurance, and wealth are going to be coming together. Lots of good uh, stuff from Bill, and, and he has some great insights into the industry coming at it from this point of view. Uh, you know, the tremendous inflows uh, of uh, business. I think I mean, one thing I didn't get to ask Bill about was um, their average customer age is only 31, which is lower than a lot of his clients, at least the ones I know of. Um, Wealthfront and Betterment, at least the bigger clients. I guess a lot of the smaller uh, fintech firms have even younger ages if they're skewing it down to 31. And the 60-40 male to female ratio really interested me as well because I don't think most uh, advisory firms have a 40% of female customers. So I think that's a great, great news for, for Apex. Um, hope we got a lot out of this uh, episode, as did I. And please remember to like us everywhere you see us. Uh, click that like button and share this episode on social media. And I will see you all again very soon.